Hi, I'm Jory. I am playing Shayna, the pilot, and it's good to be here. Hi, I'm Eli. I play Clara, the mechanic, and it's good to be here. Hi, I'm Jordan. I play Leo, the scoundrel, and it is good to be here. Hi, I'm Jillian. I play November 7, the stitch, and it is good to be here. I'm Jesse. I'm the GM. In my hand, I have two pills. They are both Tic Tacs. Do you want a Tic Tac? Welcome to Many Realms. After the events on Calliope, Captain Shayna Silver is feeling not 100%. She got traumatized on day one, so that's cool and fun. She's been spending a little bit more time than she usually likes to in the bridge of the Hound's Tooth. And finally, she's feeling up to going down um, into the bunks and knocking on the door of the newest crewmate, Clara. Hi. The door slides open. Claire's at her desk. Hey, do you mind if I come in? It's your ship. It's your room. What did you need? I just wanted to talk to you. Um, you are a hacker, you said? A hacker? Yeah, I guess you could call me that. It feels kind of pretentious, though. I like to say I tinker with stuff. Well, I don't know how much you've um, had a chance to look around the ship, but uh, we have some spots we could use some tinkering with. Yeah, I can only assume that whoever stole it out of the military hangar, it's from, crashed it into a wall eight times before getting out. Excuse me. Whoever (laughs) stole this from the military has only crashed it a couple times in like 10 years. So that's really good. And what I really want to talk to you about is um, because... I don't exactly have military clearance at the moment. There may be a feature or two on this boat that uh, a tinker might be able to help with. And the last guy wasn't so good at the hacking part of the mechanic job. Oh, yeah, the guy with the douche glasses, right? Mm -hmm. Clara wants to be showy in her quiet way. She's just going to, like, turn away from Shayna. As if she's awkwardly ended the conversation with Shayna still in the room. And I want to try to hack something to give her at least, like, the entry-level clearance. Yeah, why don't you make a hack roll, controlled and limited effect? Sorry if I just added a thing into the ship that wasn't, like, a mechanic in this game. We can talk about what it, yeah, I mean, uh, for the viewers at home, if this gets left in or not. But um, one thing we're talking about is, like, using the ship upgrades narratively describing that as like Clara hacking back some of the functionality that would have been on this like more powerful military grade ship to explain why the crew is starting at such like a low tier. Um, but Clara, yeah, why don't you, why don't you do a hack job? I rolled a five and a six, baby. You get the ice machine working finally. (laughs) Yeah. Unlimited soda in the cafeteria. (laughs) You know, if you press, uh, Enter and A2 on the vending machine for 30 seconds and get, like, <laughs> unlimited Fritos. Um, yeah, so Shayna comes in to talk to Clara, and the door slides closed behind her. Uh, and they talk for a little while. Clara turns away, like, abruptly. Like, Shayna is left standing there for maybe 50 seconds, a minute and a half, being like, do I leave? <laughs> like, this conversation's not done. Hello? After about a minute and 30 of her, like, tinkering and interfacing with Jeeves, and you hear, uh, like, a ding on your personal device. Did you just text her? What did you do? I unlocked um, you your You gave her Discord Nitro? Exactly. So now you can put stickers all over the ship. <laughs> um, no, now you can, like, 
like access all of the comms and talk like an intercom from room to room or like a speaker. I like that. That's cool. Yeah, that's handy. Clara, because I like pranks, I use that immediate that functionality on Jeeves. I say to the rest of the ship, we are crashing in 30 minutes. Hey, hey, we are not <laughs> crashing in any minutes. That was a false alarm. But please use the intercom system if you have anything to communicate. The door of the ship uh, swings open. Uh, you guys are not in space right now. You are, by the way. No. Oh, so I that's was like, like, we all die. That's not alien. Um, you got, <laughs> We'll get to that. But um, right now you're parked on Nightfall, which is Calliope's parent planet some distance away. Down the hall, so down from the bunks, you can see these doors, which are off of the lounge. And you hear the sound of um, shifting and rustling gear. Clara, you stick your head out of your bunk and you see stepping down the lounge towards the bunks is a tall woman with short cropped gray hair. She's quite muscular and broad. She has a square jaw and soft blue eyes. And she, as she reaches the stairs up to the bridge, she uh, unloads from her shoulders two massive duffel bags that hit the grated metal floor of the ship with heavy like reverberations. This woman is uh, jacked. Yeah. And she strides forward and she uh, slaps a hand on Shayna's shoulder. And then she turns and she sees you, Clara, in your bunk. And she says, new passenger, did I miss something? Replacing Sido. This is Clara, Clara, Ox. Uh, Has Ox just been on Nightfall this whole time? Yeah, she was set to get some supplies and meet you here. So she doesn't know anything that's happened on Calliope. She extends a hand to you, Clara. She doesn't smile, though. Clara puts her hand back out and says... Ox. I've never met an ox before. You look young. You look buff. Ox smiles. Okay. Dinner's in 20 minutes. And she strides off to the kitchen, the metal grating of the floor clomping under her heavy combat boots. Without skipping a beat, Clara looks at Shayna and says, she flatters me, you know, that I look young because I'm actually 32. <laughs> <laughs> Over in, so we don't have, here's the thing, one thing, is that we don't have a um, medical bay. Uh, it's locked in, in terms of the, the world of the houndstooth. We, there's like a pretty reasonably sized and stocked medical bay that is of such a high clearance because of the valuable contraband inside that Shayna has not been able to open it and doesn't really want to start laser cutting the doors of her own ship open. November, where would you treat someone? Probably just like in their own bunk. So I think not far from where Shayna and Clara are having this conversation, November, you are in Leo's bunk. So passing out's pretty serious, huh? Uh, I don't know. You tell me. I am telling you. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what happened. Maybe that's the worst part. Well, it seems to be becoming more and more commonplace that I don't know what's going on with me. So. Well, I hate to tell you, but there's also not a lot that I know. Not really trained to work with the augmented bits. That's kind of the worst part, is that you, of anyone I've seen so far, seems to be the most qualified. So, uh, it's not really inspiring confidence. There's not really much that I'm going to be able to do for you with my current resources. Maybe if we had access to the med bay, I could do something else for you, but as it stands, we're, uh kind of approaching the the limits of my skills. Well, thanks all the same. Uh... That doesn't mean I'm giving up, but I just want to be honest with you. Bafflingly, the intercom that no one knew was in Leo's bunk because it's never been used before uh, crackles into life and says, We are crashing in 30 minutes. That seems like an odd announcement. (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah, we are we are parked, grounded. <laughs> Touche. And then you hear the captain's voice. Hey, hey, we are not crashing in any minute. That was a false alarm. I guess after that conversation, um, I'll try to be like cutting into the med bay despite whether the captain likes it or not. And I imagine that it'll be like, you know, there's uh, like a high heat torch for welding, like, you know, something something that is like, could 
feasibly for in a lot of cases with a lot of you know time yeah um so leo leo is maybe taking a spare time and occasionally as you uh cross the entrance of the med bay to and from different parts of the ship the crew might see um leo just like with like a preternatural like calm and cheerfulness just like with the welding mask on maybe humming to himself and just trying to like eventually like clear uh an entryway through this door yeah, enough that 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 you know obviously establishes that uh, you know it's it's important to me. Uh, any other like ship things where we move into the job? Um, first of all, I'm not going to enjoy. I'm going to be mad at you for that. Um, second of all, Sheena has now gotten really into the intercom. Yeah, and there's lots of announcements. So like five minutes before dinner, she's um, bothering Oksana to be like. <laughs> And like shoving it into Oxana's face to announce what dinner's gonna be. He's dinner. So in addition to just kind of hanging out on Nightfall to meet up with Ox after she got supplies, you were also here to uh, talk to a contact about a job. And probably once you've landed for a few hours, had dinner with Ox, you have a meeting on Yaw. And you have a meeting at about 10 o'clock at night in a nightclub uh, in Yaw with a contact of yours named Shen. So you head into this pounding, pulsating nightclub on Yaw, intense, syncopated EDM music. You know, Space Avicii is just getting some work done on this floor. There's also the advantage of these kind of, they look like tinfoil wrapped eggs, gigantic size, kind of studded around the outside of the dance floor. And um, when you knock on the one that you were sent to, the interior kind of slides away into this beautiful like tinted soundproof egg nightclub booth uh where you can see through the inside out to like all the raging dancers all around you and inside is shen shen is a middle-aged japanese woman she has uh, bright pink long bubblegum hair and irises that perfectly match the shade you have always been too embarrassed to ask if it's genetic or surgical or some kind of mix um but she's rocking the look completely she's a little bit sort of like bubbly to deal with but she does her job well and when you slide into this tinfoil egg in this nightclub she uh with one hand pulls the panel shut and with the other hand pushes a tray of drinks over to the four of you and she says hello lovelies uh i take clara's drink and add it to my roster of drinks Okay, then I take a different drink on the tray and I drink it. Shen says, how are you all doing? Really good. How about you, Shen? Oh my god, they just opened this club. Aren't these eggs to die for? Absolutely, these are to die for. Kind of bummed that we can't hear the music in the egg. Oh, we can we can filter that in. We can do like a 10% and a tinnier version of the nightclub music starts drifting in. Shana is like bopping along to the music and she's asking Shen, so what's up? What's going on? So I have been contacted with a pretty interesting job, low key kind of dangerous, but I think you guys might be into that. Like, I think it might be a good fit for you. Are you familiar with the work of the mendicants, sweetie? Am I? The mendicants are like a cult of sort of wandering healers and doctors. Mm. So basically it's like this. The mendicants have uh, been lately trying to experiment with self-production in terms of medications and associated equipment. Unforch, the hegemony did seize a pallet of their med gear uh, in a raid about three days ago. And they're really turned up about it and they're really excited. They're really um, opportunistic about getting it back. And so that's where you guys come in. She brings from her like bubblegum pink purse, brings this minority report slidey touchy like frosted glass with holograms floating above it tablet. And you can see a 3D light projection of a hegemony ship. She says, so this is the cutter. That is where the pallet of medical gear was loaded onto after the raid. And it is due to reach station 121T by tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. She says, so obviously if the ship reaches the station, all of the contraband good is going to be seized, tagged, and uh, transported to parts unknown. And the mendicants would really, really like to retrieve their goods before that happens. It's really valuable to them. It's valuable to the tune of about six credits. So a couple of things. Are you interested, first of all? Like, how are you feeling about this? How are you vibing on it? Um, I survey the crew to see what they think. Oh, we're interested. <laughs> Super. 
I mean, I've been trying to cut into a medical bay for however long, so... Uh, Excuse me? You've been trying to do what? Oh, I thought you knew. Uh, I would have yelled at you. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, Clara said it was fine. Clara's... Okay. I'll talk to you about this later. Shen. Six credits. That's enough to fix the door to a medical bay. So there are two other things you need to know about this job, okay? Firstly, the pallet is pretty large. I'd say it's about seven foot by seven foot and loaded with totes. So you are gonna require some kind of hand jack or way of transporting it from the cutter onto your ship. And then secondly, this is pretty important. So one of the things the mendicants are interested in and why they think this job is kind of even possible is that they have received a vision of a surge of way energy in the region the cutter is gonna be traveling through as of tomorrow. In all likelihood, when this surge strikes, it's probably gonna short out comms for the cutter and for your ship, uh, short to medium range for at least one hour. So you're gonna have one dark hour when the way surge takes place uh, in which they will not be able to contact any other hegemony ships or the nearby station. And so that's kind of your window to act. All right, sweeties? Okay, sweetie. You're sweetie, stop. Okay, any other questions for me? Can I get one of these drinks to go? She, you, she, you cannot. <laughs> I'm 21. She's 13. <laughs> okay, I'm 15. Fuck. <laughs> Sorry, is there a rendezvous point? She swipes on the tablet and it kind of zooms over to a loose cluster of asteroids. And she says there's going to be a mendicant drop point here. She circles one and the asteroid starts glowing. Yeah, thank you so much, Shen. You will... Not be disappointed. Clara dusts herself off and stands up to start leaving. As you turn and make your way out of the egg, she's already back on the tablet, kind of setting up notes and filling a planner for her next meeting. Uh, and the surface of the egg shell slides behind you. You're back on this uh, dance floor on the nightclub. I don't know if you stick around and party for a little bit or if you head straight back to the houndstooth, but... Um, Eventually, you make your way home to your ship and begin prepping this job. Theoretically, we could use our ship for an inter-infiltration plan when the comms are down so that they can't, like, figure out that we're not really a hegemony ship. Well, uh, I do have a positive relationship with a smugger. Or smugger. A smugger. A smugger. A smugger. Yeah, someone who just kind of comes up and is like, really? <laughs> it's like the opposite of a hype man. Yeah, oh it's he just like brings you down to earth. Huh, okay, sure, you're going to do that. What's up, Jordan? Uh, you, look really, you look really defeated and dispirited. Yeah, I got smugged on the way over here. <laughs> um, a smuggler, um, which uh, is an option, which is definitely applicable to what we're talking about. Could we get like the dolly from the smuggler? Uh, I think that you get this sort of like portable, extendable um, pallet jack thing. How are you getting onto the ship to get the stuff? Pretending we are, are another hegemony ship and we need to come talk to them for whatever reason. Okay, I'm going to go. We're in the ship. We're, we're having this conversation and, I, and you've just suggested this. Captain, none of us really... I think the plans get up to where we have to put on a performance here. I, I'm not too sure that, I think we're gonna raise some alarms here. Unless, do you think that you can just go back to your old days and run through it like normal, yeah? I got my uniform hanging up in a closet. I could just take off my name tag so they don't uh, know the better. Lester. <laughs> Look, uh, Captain, I, I with, with all due respect, um, and I think I speak for all of us here and we just, you're looking a little shaken up uh, after last time and I'm just having a little bit of concerns about um, how how ready you are to, to, to do something like this. So all soon. right, so we're going with the deception plan and we're going to try and convince them that we are a Gemini ship. Thanks for your input, Leo. Oh, Shayna's stubborn. I picture Shayna just like, slamming down her empty like mug or whatever and like standing up in the kitchen and like storming off to go figure out their outfit <laughs> damn that reckless trauma oh my god Shayna I think that you are in a 
meeting in the meeting room with Captain Leto of the Cutter when this way surge flares across both ships. So again, the way is this sort of, um, it's the force, I guess. Although I don't even, I haven't seen that much Star Wars truthfully. So it's like, I'm picturing it as like a lot more active and chaotic and not just like a thing people can like magic their hands in. Like I think it has like very natural presence and forces. So I think when it hits the ship, you can, you can feel it. You can feel the ship uh, shake for a second and then uh, after a moment, you see all of the lights on the ship cut out, and the cutter is plunged into darkness in this meeting room. Captain Leto, who, you know, a second ago when you could see him, was a distinguished looking older gentleman with a thin gray pencil mustache uh, and dark eyes, was having a conversation with you about their route onto Station 121T. Uh, and then the lights just plunge into blackness and you hear an emergency alarm coming over the intercom that the ship kind of gets for free, these bastards. Power supply interrupted. Lockdown in place. You can see that the door to this meeting room is starting to seal shut um, due to an automated lockdown procedure to prevent any um, gas exchange or like loss of oxygen or whatever. They seal the rooms and uh, Lido kind of bristles and he says, um, Oh, I'm, I'm really sorry for this delay, but uh, I, I don't think it will last long. I'm sure we'll get our systems up and running. You know, it's an older ship, and these waste storms can uh, sometimes play havoc with the systems, as I'm sure you know. Yeah, I've been there many times before. But anyway, back to what you were saying um, about why you wanted to dock. Yes, I, um, I was sent to um, look into some medicant uh, activity in the area and report back to my superior officer. And I was wondering about the medication that you uh, were taking to 121T. Yes, uh, I haven't personally examined it, but again, once the once the power supply is restored, I will be happy to uh, show you myself. We don't want this stuff spreading throughout the sector. There's any kind of chance it's tainted. It's not regulated, it's not controlled. There's no inspections being done on it. This could do a lot of harm in the wrong hands. So uh, we're pretty happy that we were able to shut this facility down. Yeah, can't let those mendicants put this out into the world, can we? I'm told they have the best of intentions, but uh, <laughs> someone walked up to you on the on the street and offered you a, a fun little pill they designed themselves. I'm sure you'd uh, have the same reaction. I would never accept any fun pills. <laughs> um, I want to, so now that we have that, I want to see where November and Clara are aboard the Cutter. Um, so what's your plan when you get, like, on board? How are you going to avoid detection from, like, crew? Like, what's your vibe? Are you are you fixing up this sick 18 or sick 15-year-old <sighs> that you found on a asteroid? <laughs> Maybe. Like, what kind of ship is the Cutter? Do we know anything about it? Probably a little bit larger than the Houndstooth. I'd say it probably has, like, uh, 15 to 20 crew. You know, the overall sense you get is that it's like the Houndstooth, but bigger, nicer, better weapons. It's what you are flying if you're like a current valued hegemony patrol. Um, and because it's a patrol, it's got pretty good like defensive setups as well. Are they like cops? Yeah. Is this a big enough ship that if we ran into someone, they'd be like, oh, are you, do you, are you on the ship too? Or would they be like, oh, there's only 10 people on the ship and you're not one of them? They would probably know who's on the ship, but they also know that um, the ship is like docked right now. So it wouldn't be like the craziest thing in the world for like someone to come aboard their ship for some reason. Maybe, do you want to say that like, because our med bay is locked, you have to, the, you know, the captain said you could treat me here. I don't know. Okay, so then we're going to open with November and Clara in the med bay. November, I think I'm curious to know how you feel standing in a med bay that's probably like one or two notches nicer than the one on the Houndstooth, but still suggestive of the kinds of riches and resources that you know are just out of reach on your ship. There are um, all kinds of stabilizers for mood treatment for various like mental conditions. There are um, much higher grade and more specific and complex muscle relaxants, sedatives, and painkillers, which you know could be useful for treating Leo. There's a very cheery, like, ensign who is uh, a, here to help you. The ensign is a youngish-looking woman. She can't be older than 21, 22. She has short blonde hair and um, an easy smile, and she shows you into the med bay. 
that's when, yeah, that's when the lights cut out, the waste storm uh, kind of swooshes across and the uh, emergency seal spreads across the door. And that's also when this ensign, as soon as the lights go out, clutches her chest and starts gasping heavily. Um, you can see in the low light of this medbay that her eyes are wide. She is quickly starting to be covered in a, a sheen of cold sweat and the the waystorm and the, the lockdown seems to have had quite the effect on her. You'd say she's maybe having some kind of panic attack or some kind of like respiratory reaction. She looks at you for a second with wild pleading eyes before she kind of leans back against the curved of the med bay and starts sinking onto uh, onto the floor. She's gasping. Uh, November, Clara, what do you do? Ensign? She says, um... <sighs> top shelf. Why well, go for it, whatever it is. Uh, on the top shelf of the cabinet here, there's like a variety of um, medications, syringes, applicators, little kits. Um, she's starting to sound like she's having real trouble getting oxygen in. Um, her eyes are fluttering. Do I think she's going to die or do I think she's just going to pass out? Roll a doctor check. Five. You think she's just going to pass out? You actually, I think you cross over to her and you sort of do like a cursory examination. Um, and when you do, I think you, you do something that kind of gives away a little bit of what you and Clara are doing here. The fact that you might not be like a proper hegemony doctor. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think having been out of, like, a standardized practice for a long time, it's it's not by the book. <laughs> Which is, like, if you were, like, if you were working for us, like, you would follow, like, the 10-step procedure, um, and you would do this, um, and I don't. Um, but I'm also gonna let her pass out. Okay, that's good. That's good medical care. Yeah, well, she's uh, unfortunately in the way uh, if she's conscious. So if she's not going to die and she's going to be fine, um, I'm happy to have her pass out. Okay. She uh, frowns up at you and her hand kind of reaches up and clutches at your arm and then your sleeve kind of looser and looser and then just flops out onto the floor. Clara, you're sitting on, like, the examination table as November leans over this young woman who's not much older than you, who just kind of, like, drifts into a, a choking kind of fitful unconsciousness. That's nice. <laughs> um, Clara it already has, like, is, like, stuffing her pockets with what looks like the most expensive stuff in this room and is like, so do we tie her up or put her in a closet or do we just go? Well, Clara, this is your show. You can do the bleep bloop door opening thing. I was going to push myself, but actually I haven't done a Devil's Bargain yet, so let's. Devil's Bargain, I think we can start a, if this is the first time anyone's kind of like um, hacked this ship and um, activated like any of their systems. I think we're just going to start their like intruder alarm if you hack this door. We have a six, a six, and a five. Didn't need the Devil's Bargain. Clara, tell me about the sick hack job you pull on the med bay door. It's sick because it's fast. Nothing flashy, but door opening is pretty low level. It's like you blink, you don't even really see or hear Jeeves in the backpack. It's like as if I just like put a bobby pin in there and it clicks open. You guys uh, exit the med bay and start heading towards the rear of the ship. Back in the conference room with Captain Silver and Leo the intercom starts crackling to life. There's a hail from Aster and uh, Shayna, to your surprise, it's a really familiar voice. It's the voice of, well, he identifies himself as any military man would. This is Commander Thrace of the Helios. Attention, attention, mayday, mayday. This is, this is Commander Thrace of the Helios. Please, urgent assistance required. And the intercom goes dead. And Captain Leto looks at you, Shayna, and he says, uh, did, did you see any other ships on your way here? Uh, no, it was uh, all black as far as the eye could see when I was coming in. We, we might need you. We might need your ship. We might need you to help patrol the sweep. Uh, let's get down to the bridge now. And he runs out of the room expecting you to follow. I look at Leo. Fuck, I look back like, don't look at me. Uh, 
Leo stands and and starts and starts to. I mean, we're in deep, we, but we can't just do whatever we want right now. I'm gonna say to Leto, Thrace has a pretty good reputation. What would uh, get that get him in trouble? You guys are are speed walking down the catwalk towards the bridge. He's expecting you to get right on your ship and um, power it up and and disconnect so you can help search for this guy. And he says, um, I, I don't know. As far as I'm aware, he's um. He's supposed to be 19th Legion, isn't he? I think so. I don't keep a tight track of them. Well, uh, whatever he's up to, I mean, it's probably top level stuff. It could be, it could be a really big, really big job if we help pull this off. Uh, He reaches the bridge and he slams his fist on the uh, open hail frequency for Aster and he says... Uh, attention, Commander Thrace. Attention, Commander Thrace. This is Captain Leto of the Cutter. Please declare your location. I'm here with Captain... This is Captain uh, Layla Watt of the Foxhound. Um, can you give us your location, please? The voice comes through and he says... Is that you? Yeah, Leo's sweating. You know, this is what he was talking about. Uh, can I... Knock out this guy? Is he the only other person in the room? Um, I'd say there's Leto and there's at least one like Ensign who is kind of stationed at the bridge at all times. Um, but I think, he, yeah, because this is like a weird top sensitive thing. It's just like the four of you in here. Is it plausible to like do this subtly? Because I also don't want to leave the ship because I don't want to leave. Um... <laughs> November and Clara stranded on another ship that isn't there. Don't, don't leave me with the cops. I desperately don't want to leave you with the cops. Okay, I've established in the last episode that I have some kind of hand signal thing with Leo. So maybe I give it like a subtle like three, two, one at my side to like take out the other guard and I want to take out the captain at the same time. I love it. Leo, are, are you always looking? Are you ready to pounce when your captain gives the order? It's not a surprise. Okay, uh, I shoot the other guy. Oh, okay. I, I, I mean, you... I'm just going to kill them. That's how I operate Whoa. in this situation. I just wanted to knock him out. but. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's much more of a hassle, right? Yeah. If I shoot him with a blaster pistol, then he got blasted and he's, he's out of the picture. They have a really good um, med bay on this ship. He's going to be fine. I want some scrap rules from the two of you. <laughs> scrap. I might take a cambit and push myself. I got a six and a one. Good job. I got a five and a four. Nice. Tell me about uh, taking out Captain Leto on the bridge of his own ship. Laser set to stun. I think I'm able to quietly knock him down and in a swift motion say in the comms, I don't know what you're talking about, sir. Leo, I think you catch the captain's signal and you go for this ensign who uh, surprisingly manages to put up uh, a good amount of a fight. You are going to take some harm. You're quick on your pistol, so are they. They're a little bit unsettled by what's going on. You're going to take a level two harm called Blaster Wound. Uh, so I have penalties from harm or one less level severe. And you took Tenacious. Yeah. So yeah, I think it is still a two level harm for the purposes of like treating and recovery, but you won't suffer a, a minus dice. You'll just have less effect. Also, if, like, laser set to stun is a thing that we're actually doing, then, yes, I will shoot him with a stun, like, you know, I I just assume when you said knockout, it was like, okay, like, I could either try and... Knock his brain out of his skull. Yeah, like, hit him hard or something, or I could just shoot him, and I would just shoot him. Really, I think it's, like, um, a tonal question, because, like, plot-wise, it won't make much of a difference if they're dead or passed out. It depends if we're, like, um... A PG space show or a 14A space show? You knock at these two, uh, Leo, you take a blaster wound to the to the shoulder, and I think it, it's weird. It almost seems like he knows that the other two are gone. The He comes back over the intercom, and you can tell it's just on the bridge, and it's just to you, Shayna, he says. You know exactly what I'm talking about, Captain Silver. Don't lie to me. Hmm. I think I just the comms. <laughs> and get out of this room and say, let's uh, help out Clara and November. Captain Silver, you just like smash the, the button down and maybe like rip like a piece out or something in uh, frustration. And you throw it away in the corner on the bodies of these two men who are either passed out or dead. Schrodinger's um, 
Schrodinger's rating board pending. (laughs) (laughs) And you two turn and start racing back down to locate November and Clara, who have made it down to the loading bay. There's one guard in here as you head down the metal steps who looks up from, I don't know, checking his fingernails for dirt. He says, uh, not supposed to be down here. Sorry, uh, we're in the wrong spot. Uh, I look at Claire and say, you got something in your pocket? Uh, yeah, but I don't know what they do, so... <laughs> Just hand me something. <laughs> I can hand you some. I hand you a bunch. Great, I I want to stab this guy with, like, tranquilizers. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry, we're this kind of doctor now. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're one of those doctors you read about. You're Dr. Phil. Oh no. <laughs> oh no, not Dr. Phil. The darkest way you could be a doctor. Um, <laughs> please make a full-on scrap roll. I guess you're like a rugby doctor. To I am a rugby doctor. And rugby. inject him full of sedatives. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to... Jillian was like 14A? Let's, <laughs> let's, let's stop playing kids. I'm not killing people. You're injecting them with drugs. You're you're uh, Jason Statham and cranking him. Can I spend a gambit? Number one. Yes. Yes. Um, and just, just spend them all. Number two. Uh, yeah, I'm also gonna push myself. Oh thank God. One of those is a six. Okay. Nice. November. Uh, Clara hands you the syringe, and this guy looks down, and just as his face is turning into a mask of confusion and annoyance, you grab both shoulders and slam him up against the pallet. You grab the syringe, and you go straight for the artery vein <laughs> that you would inject Whoa. medicine into. You put it into his body via pointing <laughs> it into his skin. One of us went to med school. One of us went to DM school. <laughs> it's like it's like in Star Trek, right? They always have like I don't know neck tranquilizer bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You slam this guy up against the pallet of supplies and you sedate him. You watch his eyes roll back in his head and he slumps over to the floor. He's gonna have a a rough next twelve hours once he wakes up. Um, and yeah, you're in the bay. There's a ton of gear and supplies here, both that the cutter keeps for itself and that they've rescued and liberated from various factions during their last patrol of this part of the sector. Uh, towards the back, you see a seven by seven foot uh, steel plastic pallet of, yeah, the gear that Shen told you about. Anything else particularly interesting, like a level above everything else. You're like, that's shiny. I, that's good. That's good shit. You should make a study roll. Study. Clara, you find tech gear that you think could sell for about one cred. Um, but it takes you some time. You do a little searching as as November's setting up, and it does fill up the alarm ticker. Um, more people are getting suspicious. People are wondering. Someone has found the ensign in the med bay, um, so time is not on your side here. Would our ship be, like, docked to the uh, bay where they are? It's not docked to this bay. You're going to have to move it a little bit back uh, towards the center of the ship to where the docking point is. So I think we have to get back onto the ship. Yeah, so November, I'm assuming you don't have any... You are going to just load the pallet up and start pulling? Yeah, this isn't time to be greedy. We've already been uh, messy. Shayna and Leo, you're making your way back down towards the airlock that leads to the Houndstooth. There is another kind of massive shuddering ripple of the ship as the way energy kind of surges around Leo. You brace yourself against like the, the corridor wall of the ship as this kind of surge of energy passes through. And then when it kind of rights itself, you open your eyes and you aren't standing on the cutter anymore. You are standing in a long medical looking kind of fluorescent lit hallway. You are in the surgical ward at Koyama Solutions. I yell out for the captain. You look down at yourself, you look around, you're wearing a a surgical gown that's open at the back. When you yell out, a door nearby opens and a uh, plump and pleasant looking redheaded nurse comes out. Uh, She kind of tenderly puts her arm on her shoulder and she says, Let's go, let's go this way, and we'll get you what you need. Would you like some water, Mr. Vance? No, I'm fine. And, like, stumble, not stumble, just slowly proceed. She leads you down a long hallway, and then, as she does, it starts getting darker and darker, and around the edge of the walls in the shadows, you can start to see the material of the wall 
change. It's no longer smooth, molded, prefab plastic. Instead, you can see things like scalpels kind of jutting their way out of that outside of the walls, like little bits of gears and pistons and wiring. You're in this sort of like Geiger-esque mechanical meaty hallway that is like flickering and crunching and kind of shifting around you as this nurse leads you on without a care in the world. I want you to make a study roll. I will stress myself. Okay. Nice. Five. On a five, Leo, you uh, force yourself to stop. You kind of feel this nurse pushing you like harder and harder, her gentle manner quickly becoming aggressive as she tries to shunt you down this hallway. And then you kind of rear back and break out of her grip. Um, and you find yourself over bent over one of the crates uh, in the hallway here. The captain is looking down at you, confused and concerned. On a five, I think you are going to take a level one harm, um, which would be called haunting vision, say. Shayna, from your perspective, you and Leo were racing down this hallway, and then suddenly Leo stopped where he stood. He started staggering forward. He calls your name a couple of times, and then he just kind of bent over this crate, sweating and breathing heavily. I swear, I go, I like check his vitals, the little bit of making sure he's okay that I can. The intercom next to you on the corridor of the ship crackles to life, and a kind of malevolent voice hisses in your ear, Shayna. It says, Oh, you're a big captain now. Oh, you take care of your crew. You take care of your crew now? Is that what you do? Do I know, does uh, Thrace have, like, way magic? Not that you know, not that you were ever aware of. I'm gonna not respond, uh, pull Leo up, like, so his arms are around my shoulders, and keep on going. The voice just kind of falls into whispers behind you, it says. Oh, a great captain turning things around. Brand new day, new leaf, new page for Captain Silver. Oh, look at her go. You find your way to the airlock, and I think you just smash the button and uh, open, and you start making your way into the Houndstooth, preparing to receive November and Clara, who are making their way back with the supplies. At this point, I think there is a good amount of panic on this ship, but people don't really know what's happening. Probably people are moments away from discovering Captain Leto and his ensign on the bridge. And uh, November, you are pulling this. I mean, it's it's kind of like made weightless, but it's still like a bulky, weird. It's got like drift on it. Um, this pallet full of mendicant supplies through the corridors of the ship. Clara, you're running ahead. And that is when you hear some really frightened and angry beeps from inside your backpack. You hear. Um, Mr. Rude Sandstorm. (laughs) (laughs) My alarm. Um, is, is, do I recognize this panic? Like I can kind of like communicate with Jeeves. No, it's, it's very strange. It's very out of the ordinary. And he's like straining and pushing against the, the snap of your backpack, trying to be let out. Uh, I trust Jeeves. I'll let him out. He flies off down the hallway really erratically. He's bouncing off like the walls of the ship in different pipes. Um, you can see like sparks shoot off of him at one point when he takes a corner really sharply. And if you're not like actively chasing him, he's quickly flying out of sight. I am. I'm actively chasing him. I was ready for that. And where the fuck do you think you're going, lass? I'll see you soon. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, November keeps going with the pallet. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> okay, November, I want you to make one final skulk roll to get to the airlock and onto the houndstooth. Can I uh, be helpful in this since I'm... Are you going to leave Leo behind to do that? My priority is get Leo onto the ship and get the ship into the right position. So I don't think I would leave Leo behind. I think if you make it back onto the ship, you know, um, Ox is there for like just straight takeoff if you need. But if you think there's going to be any kind of risky flying ahead, she can try to keep an eye on Leo. Okay. I would trust Ox with Leo. Sure. Okay. You're going to take the helm. I am going to use my doctor thing again to push myself to give me dice in this thing that I don't have. Um, I'm going to spend an additional gambit. Okay. Four. Four? Yeah. November, do you know anything about the way? I don't think so. Yeah, you you don't, you don't spend a ton of time in like the in the void. You're like a planet person. I'm a planet person. 
Uh, and you haven't seen Shayna or Leo having these like adverse reactions. So um, I think you are pretty shocked when you say you kind of sigh and you start making your way towards the airlock. And it's like you just pass through a door that wasn't there. And suddenly you are in the uh, shadowy rough cave of a mine. You are seeing these like flickering kind of hanging bulbs cast their dim oscillating shadows across you. The floor beneath your feet is now like rough uh, hewn stone and no longer the interior of a spaceship. You still have this kind of pallet behind you, maybe the only thing that's tethering you to reality here, but there's a lot of screams. There's a lot of voices in the distance of miners calling out for help, of people screaming in agony, of rubble shifting, and uh, constantly of machines carving and cutting and slicing and extracting and pulling and pulling from the core of this planet and spending the human life that is required to operate them. I don't know, what kind of reaction would November have to this sort of um, stress? I don't think it's abnormal. I think it's abnormal to like happen kind of in the middle of the day. I think a lot of these kind of um, PTSD kind of like flashbacks happen um, while she's trying to sleep. So it uh, sucks a lot. <laughs> it's very like it, it never it never gets easier, right? It's always like very like core shaking to her. Um, so she, she might stop for a minute and just try and be like, oh, not this again. But yeah, I mean, like, also, there's always gonna be, like, that, that drive to, like, run towards the voices and, like, towards the people needing help. November, you, yeah, I think it is a struggle to not run in the direction of the sound and to keep walking away, keep moving forward one step after the other, pulling this pallet, um, and I think you are clenching your teeth, you are keeping your head held high, and um, you are going to take level one harm, which is also like haunting visions. But then after you kind of exhale, you take one more step, and just as frantically and mysteriously as it started, it stops. You're in the hallway of the cutter, the airlock is on your left, you see Ox standing with Leo in the lounge of the ship. She's looking over him. And when she turns and sees you in the doorway, she beckons you over rapidly. I go in the ship. We got the stuff. So that part of the mission's accomplished. Clara, you are chasing Jeeves down the hallway. Jeeves is screaming and spinning. What is your plan to deal with this here? You're quickly losing your sense of direction of like where exactly you were in the ship. The thing on her mind right now is... Like, Jeeves has been with me a while now, and I've never seen this reaction. So, like, what, where, is, where is he taking me? I'm trying to physically catch him and be like, what is it? Tell me. Then I think I'm going to ask you to roll scramble. Take some eggs. Scramble. That's a five. And thank God I pushed myself. Yeah. You catch Jeeves. Uh, I think he stops for a second. He, like, ricochets off a particularly unforgiving wall, and he kind of bounds into your arms, and you quickly wrap yourself around him so that he can't struggle anywhere, and kind of like a spooked pet, I think he's sort of, like, lunging one way or the other and then sort of calming down and kind of returning. He's still making these, like, really kind of panicked, high-pitched, chittering beeps. I think the the result of this uh, mixed success is we're gonna fill up the cutter alarms clock. Oh no! Clara, you look up and you see that you have ascended a staircase and you see that there are like three or four crew members standing in the bridge looking down at their dead or looking down at their passed out <laughs> captain and ensign. And then Jory can just kind of cut in, <laughs> you know, choose her own adventure. Um, they're looking down at the, at the bodies of the captain and ensign on the floor, and when you like run up with this screaming robot, they immediately turn and look at you, and uh, your shit's a little cooked. What are you gonna do? Run! I think this is going to be a desperate roll for you to make, um, which means you will mark experience for, this is, I guess, just scramble. Are you gonna do anything to increase your odds? Because right now the whole ship is about to jump on your shit. Yes, let's increase my odds. I am going to use our last gambit. Um, I'm going to push myself again. That's a lot of stress, Ooh. but we're here. We're here. I'm very stressed out. I rolled a four. Clara, you have, I think, a lot of experience running from groups of people that are upset with you. I think that's 
maybe not your first time doing that. And it's a canny, practiced motion. I'm almost getting like shades of Space Bart Simpson as you just like crash your way up to the top <laughs> yeah. of the stairs. You see like 30 adults that are like, her. And then you're just like immediate 180 back down the stairs as quick as you can. A, a Clara shaped puff of dust is like behind you. Um, and right. you hear all of the crew thundering down the stairs. The uh, cutter alarm clock has been filled, so red klaxons are blaring on each kind of station of the ship every 15 feet. So Clara, you you dart down the corridors of the cutter, trying desperately to retrace your steps and figure out where November went. For whatever reason, it seems like you are not particularly affected by the strange machinations of the surge of way energy aboard this ship. But you're not going to get here without a without a, a bit of a situation. As you uh, make your way and see in the distance the corridor that you remember entering the ship from, you see staggering forward is the uh, sedated guard who November zonked out in the bay. And he kind of crookedly pulls out his blaster and woozily draws it on you. Clara, I think you, in your fear and in your hoping to play the odds, you just kind of run for it. Um, and he gets you pretty bad in the leg. You're going to take a level two harm that's also a blaster wound. And you cry out, Jeeves in, like, pure empathy. Jeeves is a bit of an empath. He just kind of, like, <laughs> chirps out, like... And I think he even kind of pulls as much as he can to sort of help offset your limp. You sort of have like an electronic robo crutch that is helping support your weight as you stagger past this guy, try to give him as much of a shove as you can and push through the airlock onto the houndstooth. When you do, you see November craning over Leo. Ox, this huge Russian woman you just met, like yanks you by the scruff of your neck and just pulls you into the ship when she slams the uh, button down to break the airlock connection. And on the intercom, she says, Captain, no! I would love to fly away. Do I have to roll anything for that? I think just to, like you're already detached from the cutter, so just to disengage and start flying, I think you're good to go. Um, I think the trick is that um, the cutter, which is flashing its emergency lights, you see that its its engines flare into life and it looks like it's ready to give chase. Um, you kind of veer off and start making a beeline towards the drop point with the mendicant gear, um, but you see the cutter not far behind you in your rearview space mirror. There are ships a little bit bigger than ours, right? Yeah, significantly, and probably got better weapons. I'm hoping to... Uh, bank on being smaller and maybe quicker. Maybe I'm a better pilot than they are. Um, I want to try and like weave and deke out of basically out of their radar. Yeah, I think even a couple of the asteroids are starting to flood into view, so you might have some obstacles to work with. Um, but I think if you mess this up, there's a really high likelihood you're going to take ship damage. That's going to be a helm roll for you, is all. A helm roll. Which I think um, you knew. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take stress and just, like, upper chances one more. A little stress is good, because overindulging you don't want to do, so. I got two ones and a three, baby. Holy shit. (laughs) Woo! Change the dice you're using. Change them right now. I don't have any more dice. (laughs) I think we have some Patreon money for new dice. Shayna, you jet forward and you start uh, weaving your way out of the path of this ship. It's... It's big and it's fast and it has some pretty intense guns and gear on it. And the other thing that's happening, even though you look like you're pretty much in like an empty quadrant of space and you don't see any other vessels around you, Thrace's voice is still echoing through your ship intercom. So we're about to pull her, uh, her ace pilot moves. She's going to escape. Everyone's waiting. Everyone's watching to see if she can pull it off. She's got big shoes to fill. But I don't think so. And that's when the uh, coherence cannon on the cutter blasts into the rear of the ship. And you want to try to resist this? Mm-hmm. I get plus one. To resist ship damage? How does that work? To resist consequences of piloting. I think this would be two engine damage. And if you want to resist it, we'll drop it down to one. Okay. When you resist, you take six stress minus whatever the highest result of your die roll is. All right. I'm going to get traumatized. That's how you got traumatized <laughs> last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. And I'm going to become, I don't know, double traumatized and get even more XP. My highest was a six. My highest was a six. 
Nice. You're a good pilot, Sheena, and you veer wildly and start pulling off these crazy maneuvers as the cutter with its slightly bigger bulk tries to maneuver behind you and keep its coherence cannon trained on your engine, and you manage to skirt the worst of the damage. I want to know, I want to take a beat just down in the uh, lounge. What's going on as you're all kind of recovering from this harrowing adventure on the cutter? I mean, we're not quite out of the woods yet, but I just want, yeah, this beat here. Clara, where the fuck did you end up? Well, Clara will answer all your questions, but first and most immediately, I need to know what's happening with uh, Jeeves. Like, most importantly, but I'd like more details, was it a glitch or did he save me from something or did he find something really important? I would ask you to make a study roll. Five. You got shot in the leg, so I think you're like laying down like somewhere maybe on the sort of couch sectional thing in the lounge you you give Jeeves a once over and you uh see that now that he's off the cutter um it seems like he is starting to return to normal and the beeps are kind of resuming their regular frequency on a five you kind of try to get his attention and sort of communicate with him and and figure out what's going on with his programming his uh main led panel is kind of like blinking and flashing with a bunch of glitchy messages it looks like there was some actual interference with his code and then the little panel on his side slides open and the um kind of long usb stick like device that you stole off the wrecker's ship tumbles out and into your hand and as soon as it hits your flesh, Clara, you feel that same kind of uh, intense way infused energy that you have that was kind of like flooding the cutter when the lights went out. Um, and you're going to take a level one harm, which is also uh, uh, like psychic scream. Um, this lands in your hand and suddenly there's like a jolt of of sensation through your mind that throws your head back. Uh, you feel pain flare up in your leg again as you maybe involuntarily lash out with it um and then after a second it fades and you're holding this uh device that you took and the it, you could swear that the circuit board impression along the bottom is like glowing with green light whoa uh i mean like leo and november are around to hear me like scream in pain right yeah you all watch uh clara like fish this thing out of jeeves i don't think you knew that she had this little device um but when she grabs it she screams you have November's immediate attention. Uh, Clara doesn't know what happens. I don't, am I still hold? like I'm still holding it and it's not hurting me now? It was just initially or? Yeah, it was just like a second of like flare up when you first touched it. Okay, well now Clara has some answers, like seems like it was a glitch. Uh, she says, I don't know what happened. Jeeves has never, I don't know, been hacked before. I mean, it's Urtech. That's super weird. So when he was freaking out, I thought, it's probably a good reason. And then this thing shocked me. And she holds the USB out. She says, want to touch it? Mm, no, I'm all right. Thanks. Leo, maybe it'll rewire you. No, I'm, I'm okay. Well, I don't trust that that's safe to be in Jeeves anymore. So I will keep it stored away with this new piece of tech that I stole to, to go into my selling pile. Okay, and then I think you all kind of grip onto the nearest bolted down object as the uh, the cutter's coherence cannon slams into your engine um, and the ship shudders a little bit. Ox swears. Uh, Shayna, up in the bridge, you are now in the thick of these asteroids. You know you're about a couple uh, clicks out from the mendicant drop-off location. You also know that Shen asked you not to um, <laughs> let anyone know where that was. Uh, what is the plan? Does the ship have any, like, did you guys take weapons? Yes, and I would like to use them. Cool. You should have particle cannons by default. Shoot it. Let's shoot them. With the particle cannon? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll just roll the two that I have, I guess. I don't really want to take more stress right now. No pushy, no bargain? Oh, bargain, maybe? Is a bargain worth it, team? All of our lives are in your hands. Thank you. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I will give you a an extra die, mm -hmm. but they'll be able to track the energy signature of the particle cannons. This is the first time I think in this campaign that you've used these weapons before. Mm -hmm. The hegemony tech on their on their hull systems are going to be able to create an ID. Basically, you're going to take um, an additional two heat in this sector for using this weapon on a hegemony vehicle. Okay. 
I got a five, a four, and a three. Oh, wow. But yeah, a five's a mixed success. Tell me about um, attacking this ship and finally getting it out of your, out of pursuit. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to aim for something, oh, their bridge or something to make it so they can't see or I guess you said they're going to be able to track us, but at least in the short term. Yeah, exactly. Um, Because I'm not going to hit them bad enough to just completely incapacitate them, I imagine. So I'll hit them um, along their bridge so that they are temporarily unable to see or track us, um, maybe get in the way of their radar a little bit. And immediately, like, I don't know, do like a big old nosedive or something so that we're in space so there's no down. But do a big old nosedive. I know what you mean. <laughs> um, yeah. And like a left and like just really like probably for um, the crew in the hall, they're feeling a little bit of, yeah, the back and forth of the ship. Shayna, you, you unsheath the particle cannons. They flare up out of the sides of the ship and they start firing their rounds pretty wildly as you're kind of flying forward and intending to shoot someone behind you, but you're a goddamn ace space pilot. And I think the other advantage you have is that their captain and probably their like regular pilot um, are passed out, dead, uh, (laughs) aboard the cutter. So they are kind of on auxiliary systems there. They start ducking and you see a couple of blows land clear across the front of the ship and they slow down as they attempt to recover. And by the time they do and they straighten up and begin pursuit again, the houndstooth is gone. The ship does a couple of quick laps of the asteroid field, its immediate vicinity, and then from the spot where you're slowly starting to drift away, Shayna, you can see it decide to turn around with its injured crew and its uh, emergency alarm, its missing contraband, and call the day and head back towards Station 121T. Aboard the bridge, as you do this final maneuver, the voice of Thrace in your ear is getting louder and louder and even more kind of hyped. He's like, Oh, we're gonna do this maneuver? Yeah, I remember I taught you this one, didn't I? Think you should pull it off? It's been a couple of years, I don't know, I think our girl still got it. And it's kind of building up to this feverish, frantic pitch. And then as soon as you break the area that Shen described the way surge occurring in, suddenly the intercom goes dead and Thrace's voice disappears, uh, but its echo is still ringing in your mind. Maybe with a little bit of a shaky hand, you urge the ship forward onto the Mendicant asteroid where your contact is awaiting the drop-off. Thank you for listening to episode two of Houndstooth. Episode three will be out September 28th. And in case you missed it, our downtime segments, which is a mechanic in Scum and Villainy where the characters recover from their adventures, are uploaded separately on Patreon. You can check them out for free there, and Patreon subscribers get things like blooper reels, behind-the-scenes notes, and even the chance to have characters named after them. That's all for me. See you next time.